The Spanish Announce Table. It is episode 327 of the Spanish Announce Table. Now, the caveat to that, Tom, is that this is the 400th episode on this feed right here. You can scroll back and find 400 episodes. That means we've done a podcast called Tim and Tom together twice. We've done uh, some road stories episodes. We've done some tweet the table episodes. And then all of these right here, Spanish announce table. So this is the 400th time I've asked you, Tom, how in the fuck are you? Well, Tim and Ball Sacks listening, oh, yeah. this is the 400th time. Asses. I forgot to say. Yeah, yeah it happens. You know, it happens. Oh. But for the 400th time, I'm so going to tell you. But the 400 uh, times, I should have said, hey, bitch ass. Now this is the 300. So, yeah, okay, right. Yeah. You know, hey, look, uh, you have 400 more times to practice. Like I have that. a whole lot of practice at this. Yeah, rating, exactly. Yeah. So, uh, but for the 400th time, uh, not much, man. No. How are you? <laughs> well, you know, there's still a COVID thing, so you know, not much here either. You know, yeah, yeah. Uh, working and uh, just just trying to live, Tom. But that's good because we don't need to bog down this show. It's going to be jam packed anyway. Oh, I tell you what, it is. Yeah, before we get into that, by the way, we're a pro wrestling show. We like to talk about pro wrestling. We like to entertain you, the fans. We're doing that. You should give us a dollar. You can go on SpanishNounceTable.net. There's a PayPal link up there uh, with which to give us a dollar. Or you can check out things like our merch store, the Amazon link. Ooh, I I think I took down the Amazon link. Yeah, good. I think maybe. I don't know. Maybe that's there, but don't use it. Yeah, don't use it. Buy our merch. (laughs) Donate. And all the links are there, our YouTube, our TikTok, our Twitter, our Facebook. You can follow all the things there. But this is WrestleMania season. We had a hell of an episode of AW Dynamite. There was a Hall of Fame, NXT uh, TakeOver Night 1. We're recording on Thursday, so it's Night 2 happening right now. We're competing. We'll see who gets the better ratings. Uh, Probably us. You know? But, uh, I mean, so we've got a whole lot to talk about. So we'll just get into it, Tommy. Where do you want to start even? Well, you know, as this is the – uh spanish announce table 17.6 reboot uh we have now focused in on our favorite promotion since the reboot and that is AEW. so let's start with aw dynamite as we have uh for the last few episodes so let's get right into it with a quick recap and then some final thoughts and then as tim mentioned we'll get into some wrestlemania talk and nxt uh night one coverage and things of that nature and tweet tables as of course at the end uh, but let's get right to it. So it kicked off AEW Dynamite with the coolest fucking wrestler in pro wrestling, Hangman Adam Page, taking on the fastest rising star in AEW, in my opinion, the guy that I always make sure to watch if I know he's on, Max Caster. These two locked horns last night. It was a very fun match. Tim, what did you think? I like this a lot, and I like Max Caster myself. He's so fun coming out the whole with the acclaim gimmick with him rapping and, and the and the hype man i like that the god what is the other guy's name even i keep forgetting hype it. man flavor flav getting uh getting punked out uh, by a hangman to start uh but the rhymes are great uh the rhyme on dark i think it was either dark or dark elevation i don't know i think it ended dark mm-hmm. um was great uh the the high horse video that yep. max caster has i see nothing but money for max caster i like this guy a lot yeah, I think Max Caster right now is hitting home runs with everything he does. It's going to be interesting, though, where right now, as you said, he did the the music video making fun of Hangman Adam Page, dressed up like a cowboy, made all the cowboy insults. It was very well done. Where I think I'm interested in his next iteration, and obviously we got time till we get there, but let's hypothetically say six months down the road, you're facing Hangman again. 
what do you do then? You know, because he hits home runs right from the jump. It is dig into you and make you feel uncomfortable if you're on the receiving end of his insults. So I'm just wondering, like, do you got round two in you if, if you guys have to face each other down the road? So, again, we got time to might, get there. I think he oh, might, yeah. He hits, he hits great, you know, lines that are very uh, current events, right? Like, he finds ways to throw things in. Like, he, what do you say? Talking about Biden falling up the stairs. And that's what I was going to say. Yeah. Flavor Flav of the acclaim. I like that he doesn't just stand there and look dumb. Like, he was doing the falling down like Biden. So, at least if right, you're yeah, going to not it. rap. You're going to be a part of the raps. And so credit to him for at least playing a part. Uh, But yeah, so Hangman took on Max Caster. As you said, Uh, he came in uh, guns blazing, pun intended for a cowboy, and kicked uh, Flavor Flav right in his face and then went after Max Caster. And man, this was a fun one. Hangman Adam Page gets the victory. Uh, Interesting note here, though, is the rankings were introduced earlier in the day. And the number one contender for the AEW World Heavyweight Championship is the hangman, Adam Page. So my question to you, obviously Kenny Omega is tied up in a little bit of a storyline, but without necessarily a viable number one contender, you know, John Moxley's there, but I don't think John Moxley's the focal point anymore. So when do you think we pull the trigger on this hangman takes on Kenny Omega? I mean, yeah, that would indicate if he's the number one contender that it would be him. But I'm not 100% sure that we do want to do that right now, right? I mean, it seems a little early to pull that trigger, don't you think? I Yes, I do. Because as, you know, we'll get to it in, later on in the episode, John Moxley is still on the receiving end of these beatings from the Good Brothers and Kenny Omega. And now, again, uh, spoiler alert, the Young Bucks. But... I think John Moxley isn't the one part of this this uh this breakdown. I think it's that he's just serving a part to get beat up. And so I think it's interesting to see when he gets phased out and then Hangman then gets put into there because as you know, we've talked about before, we have to have Hangman Adam Page taking on the elite but with that being said i think the elite needs to flush out some of their uh things where they need to um uh you know establish who they are so i don't know i'm very interested to see what happens there with a hangman that's established as the number one contender but then now the elite gets past this are the young bucks in there are the young bucks not Will they all be the super elite? Will the good brothers then break off? So that's where I'm interested to know when this will happen. Because like I said, John Moxley serve as a good purpose, but he's not the reason for the story. The story is the young bucks and Kenny Omega and all of that, but he's, but Hangman's the number one contender. So I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know an easy way out of that, but it also makes me then worry that maybe you're wrong and Hangman doesn't save the day from Kenny Omega. Well, but here's the fun story we can tell. Again, I think we have some weeks to get into developing the super elite or whatever the fuck we're calling them, right? But once we do get there, I think the interesting story is Hangman got kicked out of the elite because maybe Hangman was being, uh, you know, anxious millennial cowboy, but really 
he was the good one, and now the elite are heels, so fuck them. You know, if you go back to Stadium Stampede when it was the inner circle versus the elite or whatever we called them back then, Matt Hardy, heel. The Young Bucks, heels. Kenny Omega, heel. But Hangman Adam Page, he's still there as your baby face. So I think that's where we can tell that story of like, look, I was never the issue. It was fucking you guys the entire time. Yeah. Um, It was interesting, though. The one that caught my eye more was that Max Caster was three. Um, You know, the rankings, interesting enough. Oh, people in the top five just happen to be who we have on this card uh, this week sometimes. So, I mean, Mm -hmm. I get some of its pro wrestling rankings. Don't get me wrong. But um, I do like, and it's noticeable, and we can talk kind of as the show goes along, they find a way to squeeze a lot of folks some TV time Mm -hmm. and some exposure and some positive light. It's not even just like, oh, look, he got his ass kicked. Look, he got his ass kicked too, right? Like, it's it's decent exposure. And Max Caster is, I think, a prime example of it. I liked all of this. Definitely. So as we move past Hangman getting the victory and then celebrates with a beer, because remember, uh, it was National Beer Day. So credit to Hangman. Some dude in the crowd was really excited about getting a beer. I would have been. Oh, my God. I would have said, throw me three more. I would have stone cold them and fucking. Oh, I would have been all types of sideways drunk if Hangman Adam Page is throwing me beer. True that. Uh, But then we had Tony Schiavone in the ring and he was introducing Death Triangle. And before Death Triangle could even get a word out. As is kind of standard par for the course with AEW interviews, he, they get interrupted by the best friends and Orange Cassidy and Chris Statlander because now they have an alien. And yeah, like long that. story short, the best friends say, hey, we haven't forgot what you did. Back when we used to have crowds, you guys jumped us. Even when we didn't have crowds, uh, old Ray Phoenix punted uh, Orange Cassidy in the head into the fifth row, right? So... We're back, motherfuckers, and we're going to kick your ass. I liked how Pac was like, yeah, I know why you want to fight us right now, because we're the number one contenders. And next week, after we beat the Young Bucks, you just want to fight the champs. Uh-uh. Piss off. And it was just, I like this one a lot. Although, I am tired a little bit of the, hey, here's the talent. They don't get to talk, because they just got interrupted. I'm a little oh, tired yeah, of that. Yeah, they're very thick with that on AEW, yeah. Yeah. But what do you think about a future, I guess, trios match between the best friends and Death Triangle? Are you interested in that? I don't mind that at all. Um, I I like how Pac said that. He was like, no, what you're really out here is you see the writing on the wall. You know we're going to beat their ass and Mm -hmm. we're going to be holding that gold and you want to jump to the front of the line. Tough. Piss off. right? Like, you suck. Get out of here. I I do like, you know, kind of that whole... Uh, just the snide, like, you know, yeah, skeptical. Like, I don't believe this bullshit. Um, and that'll be great. I mean, that'll be a great feud. I think that'll help get the best friends away out of this Miro. Mm-hmm. Nonsense, you know, nonsense, but just that's been done now. So I, I'm for that, I guess. Like, this is the thing with some of the faction warfare is it starts to become, well, everybody in the faction's got to face everybody in the faction sometimes because I said they're not layering it the proper way. It becomes... This whole faction's fighting this whole faction at once as opposed to just, like, power struggles and favors behind the scenes and stuff. It doesn't have to be like, we always come out in a matching vest every time we come out here like Mm -hmm. a motorcycle gang. It can just be alliances, right? And I wish it was more a little bit like that because now what happens, we got to have another three-man group for both of these guys when they get done. So I'm a little worried about that, but, I mean, this will be 
entertaining matches and a, probably a decent storyline here, albeit storyline will probably have to be – well, Pac, Pac is, will be able to carry a lot yeah. on their side, I guess. Mm-hmm. With the promos um, and stuff. Yeah, with the promos and stuff. Although I will say Pentagon and Phoenix, although they can't speak the best English in the world because it's not their first language, well, sure, they are very just captivating and, and uh, have charisma out their fingertips here. Oh, so they can do well that part. Well-placed moments, yeah. uh, even with a well-placed, you know, few lines and even, you know, moments uh, will will be just fine for that. Yeah. By the way, two things uh, I wanted to get feedback from you on. One Ray Phoenix, did you notice how he got in the ring where he just jumped over the the top rope and just gracefully just did a front flip and then yeah. like, hey, I'm here. He like sin card, but without the, the, and the then ramp. It yeah. looked as natural as someone like walking out of a pool. It was just the weirdest thing in the world. And then two, we have talked about faction warfare and things like that. Well, in this faction warfare, it is three on three. However, now the best friends have this alien, Chris Statlander. Where do you think this goes? What are what's your interest level in an alien with the best friends? Uh, what what are your thoughts on that? A friend of mine, I used to do a podcast with a long, long time ago. It's called the Fraudcast. Um, he had a, a way of talking about how when things get overdone um, with television and movies, and when you know it's like starting to be the end of the of the run of, for the story, is he said. Once you start getting the the uh, animal sidekick, right? Like, and not that she's an, but like you said, that now there's an alien, mm-hmm. you know, in with the best friends, which is like, okay, that didn't. Now this is an out of place. Also ran right. So, yeah, I, I'm a little worried that this will be nothing, but it also doesn't have to be anything big. Like I said, this can just be. You know what I mean? Something that happens all the shouldn't have to come out there every single time. They don't have to go out there with her every single time. Those kind of things. Like, we're, you know what I mean? Like, we have best friends, right? Are, are, are we best friends? We don't go everywhere together, right? right? Like, we don't walk around everywhere. Like, every time you go to Walmart, I'm not, like, there with you. You know what I mean? Like, wearing the same shirt ready to watch your back, right? So, um, yeah, should be fine. And it'll get her some TV time and put her in some interesting stories, probably, if they do it right. I'm more interested in some of the promos that I can see happening with her and Orange Cassidy where they're just in weird circumstances, you know, lost in the woods. Maybe they bump, bump into Jurassic Express, things of that they nature. Need to turn the best friends with, with the alien into, like, the Scooby-Doo gang. They need yeah. to be fighting crime, if you will, like, you know, unsolved mysteries, right? Like, conspiracy theory style, almost mysteries, not full-on hat-wearing, right? But just acting like they're snooping around trying to get to the bottom of something weird, right? And just like almost they'll be like, just seems weird, right? Like, but they're just fine, right? And they, they could uncover a few plots and plans and, and foil some things by accident, even. Like, yeah, this could be fun. But again, I think that would be a comedic twist, which they've kind of had. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Well, that's so, what I'm saying. So, like, if you go back, you know, at the early days of Dynamite, when it was the inner circle versus Cody and the elite. You know, you had a backstage fight, and in the bathroom, Orange Cassidy was just standing there because he's Orange Cassidy. So yeah. that's where I think we're going to get, you know, Chris Statlander being an alien bumps into Kenny Omega. And then as Kenny Omega starts to like puff his chest and is like, what are you doing in my locker room or wherever the situation is? Orange Cassidy just glides in and is like, hey, she's with me and like takes her off. And then now Kenny Omega wants to fight Orange Cassidy. You know what I'm saying? So I think that's where they're going to use Chris Statlander. And also, I think eventually we're going to get some more mixed 
tag team matches where, you know, Penelope Ford and Kip Sabian need to take on someone. So this is where Chris Satlander and Orange Cassidy can fill that void. Or, you know, Brandy Rhodes, when she comes back, Brandy and Cody need to face someone. Well, you got Orange Cassidy and Chris Statlander. So I think that's where we're going to go with that. But I do enjoy that it's not just all men together and all women together. One thing that, even though it gets a little convoluted, but Matt Hardy's faction of like a bunny and then a butcher and a, a the part, private party, like it's just a collage of, of people. And sometimes that's how it is, right? All of your friends aren't, you know, dark haired, blue eyed white guys either. So I like that aspect of it as well. Maybe yours aren't. (laughs) So after the commercial break, we got another promo and let's backtrack a little bit. The inner circle is back and they are back in black. They actually kicked off the show before the match and they came in and all the coolest cars in the world wearing all black. Except Jericho just left his car door open. Like, just left it all in a Because fuck it. Hey, uh, yeah, no. Somebody can take it. it. Yeah, someone will take care of that for, shit. Yeah, right. yeah. Oh, you want to take that yeah. one? I got three more yeah. back in the fucking You don't even know how to drive it. Yeah, Dork. exactly. Yeah. yeah, fucking dorks don't know how to drive a stick. Get the fuck out of here. No one's taking it here. Uh, but then we had the inner circle. And this was solidifying that the inner circle in this feud with the pinnacle, they are the baby faces. We had a bunch right. of Jericho you're going to be backing us in this feud and we're going to use your help to get past the pinnacle. Now he also did cut some amazing promos, making fun of uh, MJF calling him my jerk off friend talking about his, yeah. Talking about how bad his tan is Sean Spears and his uh, blonde uh, um, Mohawk Mohawk and how that's as stupid as you can be in 2021 gimmicks. Yeah, stealing his gimmick with the scarf because he did that five years ago. If you want, if you want to make a list, yeah, yeah, I thought this was good. The only thing I wish they could have done is Jericho is obviously the leader of this group, and he always has been. However, the inner circle's been a faction since episode one of Dynamite. We're going up on two years. I I wanted to hear a little bit more from maybe a Sammy Guevara. Or a Santana. I I would have thought this inner circle would have been doing... And I think it's lifted Sammy Guevara some. Yeah, definitely. Um, Jake Hager, I don't think it ever was intended to do... Like, he can be the muscle, but just kind of, you know what I mean, without taking a whole lot Mm -hmm. of the the coverage. But, like, you could argue the the LAX have not benefited from this largely much, other than just getting the TV time being associated with the group. But, like, they ain't winning titles. They that's true you know what i mean they ain't seeming like that like because what's preventing them from winning the titles because hager and you know what i mean guevara are out there fucking with anybody who tries to you know what i mean and, and healing out for him so mm-hmm. yeah um yeah jericho's promo was good there was a couple flubs in there i think he messed up a couple things transposed a few things but um well then yeah. he mentioned about being 25 and still having wet dreams i was like that makes you look kind of stupid yeah, yeah, you know what I mean? He's, you know, it's Jericho's a little weird. Um, yeah. But, you know, here we go. I think we knew where this was headed, so. Well, yeah, exactly. Where it's headed is May 5th, which will be the next pay-per-view. We're getting a blood and guts match, which is essentially AEW's version of War Games. So Pinnacle versus the Inner Circle in a blood and guts match. I like this move. I think it's time for them to finally do the blood and guts uh, match because if you remember before the pandemic, it was going to be the inner circle versus the elite in a blood and guts match, but then they called the audible and did the stadium stampede. 
I would argue I liked Stadium Stampede so much that that should be their signature and they shouldn't be copying, even though it has a different name, War Games. They should be doing the Stadium the Stampede. Stadium Stampede, yeah. Like, I, I get – the problem is it's a lot of the same jokes because they were football-themed, right? So you'd just be running a bunch of football-themed jokes again. So I don't, they may have felt like they did it all there. Yeah, but again, it's a football stadium, and you have a bar area. I mean, there's it's not just a football field. I mean, you have the whole thing to do, uh, or whole thing to you know uh, make some spots with. So I thought, I thought it'd be interesting because of who the owner is and who the owner's dad is. Like, you can yeah, always unique. make yeah, Only you can always make the stadium stampede match your thing. You know if. If WWE wants to do a big time match and let's just say they're in Green Bay, like the Packers aren't going to say, yeah, use our stadium. They're going to say, like, pay us some fucking money. But with AEW, they could use that stadium whenever and however many times they want. Is Green Bay where our truth thought he was when he said the wrong city or was he mm-hmm. like I think in so. Green Bay and somewhere? Because I think he said, else? yeah, I, said, I think he said like, hey, Green Bay. And they're like, you idiot. We're in Milwaukee. Yeah. Something, yeah. yeah. That was great. Fucking our truth. (laughs) All right. So then after the announcement of May 5th, Pinnacle versus Inner Circle in a blood and guts match, we had, after the commercial break, Christian Cage being interviewed. And just like every other interview, he could only get a couple words in. And Taz interrupts and says, hey, bro, I think you're great. I think you'd be even better if you were with Team Taz. Christian tries to say thanks, but no thanks. Taz cuts him off and says, just sleep on it. Just Get back to me when you can. Don't answer now. You know, you can give me an answer when you're ready. Dasha, to her credit, says, like, that's a huge opportunity, which credit to to her to not say, like, well, that was dumb, wasn't it? Like, she elevated Team Taz uh, without really elevating Team Taz. So I thought that was a good move. But Christian Cage and Team Taz, what do you think there? I liked this. I like the subtle alluding to the story that's coming, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think we can tell that's what's going to happen. We're going to get Team Taz somehow involved with Christian. He'll maybe take on, you know, uh, Brian Cage or something, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, he's going to turn him down, right? And that's what's going to spark this. Um, but I like the just, you know, Taz was like, hey, no, no, no you don't even got to tell me. I'm just going to go. And then later, which we'll get to in his storyline, even the the short little bits we get of the longer storyline was amazing here. Definitely. So after the backstage interview with Christian Cage, we got a Godzilla versus Kong sponsored match. And I will say this. We have seen, you know, product placement and mm-hmm. things of this nature in pro wrestling for as long as pro wrestling has been around. It feels like since the days of Buddy Rogers appearing on I Love Lucy, we've seen this marriage of pop culture and pro wrestling, which Okay, and great, right? We want to be a part of the cool crowd. And right now, one of the biggest movies in the world is Godzilla versus Kong. So come hang out in our world. Where I will give them credit is if they were going to do a Godzilla versus Kong match, I don't think you could get much better than Jurassic Express versus Bear Country. And what I mean by that is a Godzilla versus Kong match. If it was the Hangman Adam Page versus Max Caster match, makes no fucking sense right like that's just a hey it's godzilla versus kong but this the animals you know luchasaurus bear country jungle boy godzilla king kong like it all has a great synergy to it yeah that was the best cast for it yeah but it was like okay 
you kind of got the Godzilla part right because you have a giant lizard, but the other guys are bears, right? They're bears. Their names are yeah, bears. But, yeah. They're bears. So you got a bear, a dinosaur, and a dude. <laughs> no, I mean, Which is hey. a cooler name. Bears, yeah. dinosaur, and a dude. That's yeah. maybe the name of this episode. I don't know. Like yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I think you're right, right? This is the most, like, these are wild animals. We got wild animals. Somebody put a, a leash on these things. Mm-hmm. Let them loose in the ring. And, yeah. Yeah, yeah I thought, fun. again, I thought for what you were going to do when you make the deal of, okay, we'll sign off on doing a Godzilla versus Kong match, at least it had some silliness to it. It wasn't. The, the trios matched later on as the main event. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't Lance Archer versus fill in the blank, right? It wasn't Exactly. Blank. Yeah. So this was a good match. It actually's had some good storytelling uh prior to this match on episodes of Elevation and Dark. So credit to them for building stories not just on Dynamite by itself. Uh but Luchasaurus or excuse me, Jurassic Express gets the win. I thought this was an okay move. However, I just don't know where Bear Country goes after this. I thought, we all know Jurassic Express, right? Boy and his dinosaur, and then the little guy, Marco Stunt. They're going to be fine, relatively speaking, for the long haul. Unless you really start just having them lose to everyone. But Bear Country, I felt, really needed the victory here to say, like, we're fucking bears! (laughs) You know what I mean? I think AW's running into a problem of they've got enough people on enough you know we call this rosters right if we have a tag team roster if we have a mid card roster if we have a you know high, they've got enough that they 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 could have separate brands like the WWE right so i think it would be smart to utilize the three levels of shows you have with dark dark elevation to kind of make a not quote unquote like minor leagues you know triple a whatever system but like that's the idea, right? We're starting down here. We're kind of moving up. And then, like, even if it's a matter of, like, you're trying to get to Dynamite, right? And you've mm-hmm. got to, like, you, you have your rankings. Your lower-ranking folks should be down here telling some stories, telling some stories, and have them be different and weave in and out. And then they can show up here. They get a shot to earn X amount of, you know, cred or points or what be it, right? Like, I think there's ways to handle this. But right now it's becoming kind of like you said. We've got Bear Country. We've got this new Ethan Page in and um, Scorpio, Sky. Scorpio Sky. So we're got to push those guys. We've got the boy and a dinosaur. We can't forget about them. They, they were catching heat we can, or, you know, fire. Mm-hmm. We can't let that go. Uh, uh, we've got the FTR. They're in a new faction that we've got to make them look good. Mm-hmm. We've got the Young Bucks. Don't forget about them, right? They're kicking people's faces and stuff and touching fingers. So we've got a lot of stuff to do. So what do you do. think? What do you think? Because, you know, the easiest story to tell is especially if you watch WWE, because they'll just add a new title whenever they feel fit. What do you think of the idea of having an elevation title or a dark title? Something to that? Uh, yeah, degree? I don't know about that necessarily outside of like something to earn. Right. Mm-hmm. Something to earn. But the more titles you have, right, like like who gives a fuck about the Dark Elevation champion? Right. Because yeah. it also pigeonholes them to being there and having to defend it. Right. But if you're somehow earning a spot up on Dynamite to get a chance, you know, for whatever, or if we had to, you know what I mean? I, I would have to think a little more on that. Maybe something will come to me. But, yeah, I mean, I, the idea being that, like, there's an idea that we know it's not a hard line, right? You're not signing a main roster contract. But, like, 
man, aren't you on elevation for 90% of your matches? Like, like, man, fuck you, I'm getting there. You know, that kind of thing, yeah. right? Like, mm-hmm. uh, that would not be harmful, and it would allow for the segregation of stories to work. Now, I still like there being an ability for some to come up, some to come down, right? Like, uh, any amount of Christian showing up on a elevation and, and getting in the mix in somebody's story for a little bit, those kind of things. But, eh, you know, um, Bear Country, I don't Again, I don't know what you do with them. Anything you do with them will be like anything else you do with them unless there's a very specific story written for them, which I don't feel like they're going to give them that kind of time at the moment. Yeah, I'm just curious because also if you think about Bear Country, you know how, you know, uh, for example, in WWE, I think the pinnacle for the Bray Wyatt character was to take on The Undertaker, right? That was mm-hmm. always something where, like, that's that's the ultimate goal for this character. I almost feel that they did the Jurassic Express storyline too early because that, I felt like, was going to be a pay-per-view match. And maybe it can be, right? May 5th is not that far along. They could have Jurassic Express next week in another match. Bear Country cost them that match, and then they get back into a feud. Go ahead. Well, so a team like Bear Country, and even to a larger extent, this boy and his dinosaur, WWE in the 80s was trying to market themselves like a comic book come to life or a Saturday morning cartoon come to life. So they had very cartoonish characters. Nowadays on the indie scene, you'll get some of that, and I feel it's like a hipster kind of novelty vibe to it, right? People be like, look, he's a he's a dinosaur, right? And it's like, isn't that neat, right? Like that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But that can only get you so far. What do you do with a team, Tom, of fucking bears, what are you going to write that people are going to watch on TNT, right? The home of NBA, the home, right? That they're going to be like, look at these two bears and not the gay bears, right? Like I'm talking like these are two bears with some claws. This might still be the same thing. <laughs> like, I mean, you know, like what? I mean, like I'm sure you can come up with a storyline or two here for me, but like I have no faith that like I'm going to be like Bear Country is going to be the AEW tag team champions for eight months straight and have a no right i agree but i think obviously you know pro wrestling's big enough and we've experienced this through the seven years almost of doing a podcast that pro wrestling's big enough to where you have niches within this niche of pro wrestling right so you can have an offshoot and it doesn't have to just stick in its little corner it can bump into other aspects of pro wrestling but you can have this little corner of pro wrestling where You have Jurassic Express. You have Bear Country. You have Chris Statlander. Have Matt Hardy go all weird again. You could put him over there in that little group of people. Broke Matt Hardy. Yeah. Broke. I mean, broke Matt Hardy. And you have Orange Cassidy. So you could do those fun things where Bear Country can have a best friends type of storyline. Where I would argue best friends for a while was the most captivating team on dynamite and they never had the titles so you could do things with bear country in that regard to where they're doing fun things where i just got nervous though about after this match was i thought the most fun they could have was with jurassic express and well we already did it you know Mm -hmm. it, it feels a lot like right out of college you get your dream job and you work it for a couple of years and then yeah well you work it a couple years and then you move on to your next you know career path and then everyone says like so what are you going to do now and you're like well i don't know i just did the thing i did did the thing i i don't know what's next right so uh that's where i get a little bit nervous and that's why i thought bear country should have got the win here because then we can build on all right well we did take care of our biggest rival Jurassic express now 
you know, best friends were looking at you and then they go after best friends. So it'll be interesting to see where they go. But after the win from Jurassic Express, we got the best promo out of Quick Trip Marshall and his fuckwads. I tell you what. Hey, by the way, uh, Quick Trip Marshall, thanks for the plug. Thanks for the shout out on Twitter. Check it out on his uh, profile page. Um, this was great. Yeah, man. Quick Time Marshall was amazing. Um, I thought he was, uh, I say amazing, you know what I mean? Like a, a, amazing turnaround from mm-hmm. previous weeks, right? Um, did QT Marshall, did, uh, you know, Quick Trip Marshall here prove us wrong? Um, time will tell, but he's heading in the right direction to be proven us wrong. Um, I thought his, what he called him, a bargain bin sting. He's mm-hmm. like, this is my fucking factory. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like he went hard. Uh, he was it kind of was like, boo, a little quick trip. Marshall, you have uh, some something really off your chest you were trying to hear? I, yes. And so I thought it was really done well. I thought there's a lot of good jabs at Cody that was original. Again, calling him the bargain bin sting or whatever that phrase exactly was. And again, great. Exceeded my expectations when he first appeared on the screen because I thought it was going to be a, I'm no longer the friend, which he did hit on, but he also went a little bit deeper than that. However, and he was great, but Anthony Agogo talking about he does subway commercials for business and he beats up people for pleasure. Hey, we got a star with Anthony Agogo, I think. Well, and even even to that, you know, um, Quentin Tarantino Marshall was uh, he was the one he was like Nick Camarado. Like he was like he was pointing out. He's like, these guys aren't going to be swept on the rug anymore. Like these aren't the people that were even I said it last week. Like, fuck are these guys? Uh, like, well, you about to find out, punk. Mm-hmm. Um, so credit to them. They, they've got my interest uh, changed a little bit, right? I'm ready to see what they do next. The only thing I would criticize them on, and I bet they recorded it before Monday Night Raw, so it's not necessarily anything bad. I think just after Raw aired, I would have edited this part out. But the throwing the paint on the Nightmare Family logo after Miz and Morrison on Monday Night Raw do the finger paint on the Bugatti, when you throw paint on a wall, kind yeah. of well, yeah. that might have reshot it to where you actually got the paint on the logo. Yeah, I mean? that's like, true. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. you know, you would have to clean, and who knows? Yeah, what that's, time there. that's so true. You got to go buy a new bucket of paint. I, mean, I think I just would have cut that. I think I yeah. would have just cut it with the were no pulled it down. You know what I mean? Like yeah. But again, or now j- you got paint on it, so now you go, what are you gonna yeah. do? You're right. I think I just would have said like we're not taking any more shit or something like a, an exclamation point statement. Uh, but I was, again, very impressed. We'll see what it looks like going forward. Uh, exceeded my expectations from quick time. Marshall. Uh, Q- yeah. From Q-tip uh, Marshall. Q-tip but, Marshall. Yeah. Q-tip Marshall. But Anthony Agogo, I was like, Hey, I like this guy. And he, he's in action next yeah. week. We get to see well, him debut. And, and he says, he's like, I'm a household name over like, I'm, dude, like, don't mess around with me. Like, you know, you don't know yeah, me, like, but you're about to. Yeah. You yanks. You think I'm a nobody just because you don't know me. You fucking idiots over there. I'm the man. And I'm going to show you that I'm the man. And I got a left hook from hell. So about to catch this fucking three piece in the soda upside your head. After the commercial break, because of course that's what we did after the quick trip Marshall segment. We had Tony Schiavone introduce sting. And again, sting doesn't get a word in Jake. The snake interrupts. I will give Jake, the snake credit to where he's like, you haven't caught on to what we do here. You get introduced. We interrupt you. I do like that. At least they're acknowledging like 
This is repetitive. Yeah. Except did Sting write into his contract that like he's going to show up, they're going to do an idea, and they're going to do the same thing for six weeks before they do another idea? Like, did he was he like no more fucking wishy washy booking? God damn it! Yeah, solid I mean, idea. We're going to do it <laughs> six times. Yeah. We're going to ingrain into our audience's memory that I walk out here after Tony Schiavone. And people will run away from me. Yeah. And Tony Schiavone will say my name like a six year old every single week. Every week. And they will know exactly who I am. It who feels is it? that way. It's Steve. <laughs> yeah. All right. I will say, yeah. though, oh. it was a it was a bit of a, a of a curveball that Sting gave us the hey. Lance Archer, I agree with you. What the fuck's going on? And he almost put the 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 guilt back onto Jake the Snake, where he's like, Jake, Show get this guy yeah. ready. What in the almost like? How are you not capitalizing on this Quit guy? Gambling and smoking, you know, yeah. whatever you got going on back there, and help this kid. Yeah, He's taking his money. Let, yeah, glad you're sober, but let's DDP yoga and let's get this guy some main events, motherfucker. Where. If that's the story we're going with, now Lance Archer has a fun story we can tell where he's stuck between two legends. Where does he go? Does he stay with what he knows, or does he take a chance and go babyface with Sting? Because we've seen him flirt with that before. That's a story I can get into. He even had a promo on him on um, one of the darks, right? Dark one mm-hmm. and dark two. You know, cut yeah. a promo on him saying he was like, look, I, you know, I respect you. It's because of you. But, like, and now, now's now, and... I but that's like you know what I mean I got to yeah. do this. I got to do this. See? That's the that's the interesting story. That's the new wrinkle you can tell on Sting and AEW. It's not just Sting versus young talent or Sting teams with young talent that gets them exposure. It's the young talent now has to choose between the two legends and people of a certain age, you know, you and myself, we go, "Yeah, we grew up watching Jake the Snake Roberts and we grew up watching Sting." Who would we go for? And yeah, now we can we? put our own you know, feelings into this story instead of it just being Lance Archer versus Sting. And Lance Archer gets some exposure because he beats Sting, you know? Jake Roberts is probably going to have the cooler stories on the road, but you might have to, like, drag him out of the hotel a couple times. Right, he's going to bring the thing. problems. Yeah, you're going to have to text at 2 o'clock in the morning, hey, Jake, where are you at? With Sting, you know your flight is booked and ready to go at 9 a.m. It's yeah, not going to be the be most. Waiting. He's going to pick you up. Yeah. He's going to be there waiting on you. And there's not going to be a lot of fun talk on the car ride to no, the he's airport. Play, like Christian talk radio. Yeah, it's going to be a lot. Well, it's going to be a lot of like self-help books on tape. You know what I mean? Where it's like you can achieve, believe, and see your goals coming to fruition. It's like, oh, fucking Jesus. You know, where Jake's going to be like, hey. Uh, you need to move that coke off the fucking seat, and then you can sit there. You know, let me tell you about this fun. time in Taiwan. You're like, no, yeah. please don't tell me that time. I've heard this time already seven times. Like, you oh, you want to know? You want to know why you, uh, Jim the Anvil Nightheart's left pec kind of <laughs> sagged a little bit? Let me tell you, kid. It's like, oh, what the fuck are we talking I about? I do want to know this story now. <laughs> right? so yeah, can exactly. you finish this story? <laughs> no, I can't. You know, secrets. Man. Yeah, I was told in confidence. Yeah, it just can't go any mm. farther. All right. So after the sting, essentially saying. Uh, Jake the Snake, get your boy some better spots on Dynamite. We did have Team Taz backstage, and Ricky Starks praises very condescendingly Brian Cage for getting the W last night. And then Taz says, hey, everyone, shut the fuck up. We have a big opportunity here. Don't shoot yourselves in the foot. Get fucking on the same page, assholes. I did like Powerhouse Hobbs even tried to interject himself a little two cents. What did you think about the Team Taz segment? 
so that may be the thing, right? Like, Hobbs keeps trying to interject. Taz is finally like, shut the fuck up. Trying to separate these two. So when that split starts to actually happen and Ricky Starks is like actually out, uh, you know, like Taz is looking for help for Powerhouse Hobbs. Powerhouse Hobbs just lays him out. And Ricky Starks is like, what the fuck? And he's like, I'm not helping you. I just fucked all this. I'm fuck these guys, right? Mm-hmm. And then walks up, which would probably be a mistake. He's probably the one who needs somebody like a Taz the most out of all this right now. Um, but, I mean, this is, I don't know if, I think Ricky Starks is probably breaking off of this, if not the whole group disbanding. I would, I would hope that the whole group disbands, but Taz keeps one of them. And I think the person that Taz needs to keep is Powerhouse Hob. You could do a storyline where Brian Cage can go be the baby face that he is. Maybe he loses in a, you know, gang attack from Ricky Starks and Powerhouse Hobbs, the FTW championship. And that's how Powerhouse Hobbs gets the FTW championship. But then Brian Cage takes off as a baby face. Well, Ricky Starks goes like, I'm tired of carrying this group. He can be the heel. And then you could do a Powerhouse Hobbs as the FTW babyface champion taking on Ricky Starks. And then once you want to say, Taz is going to always be a bad guy. You could almost do like a Stockholm syndrome uh, angle with powerhouse Hobbs, where he's like, I know that this is a bad situation, but do you know all the great things he's done for me? Well, but that could be great too, especially if like hook is also one of the ones like mentally abusing him and, and fucking with him and like, you know what I mean? Manipulating him. Oh, of course you could definitely have hook, you know, catching powerhouse Hobbs. Let's say he was supposed to be at a workout at noon and he's a little bit late and hooks like, Hey man, 45 minutes late would hate to tell my dad what happened there. You know, a good hundred dollar bill might keep yeah, me quiet. Yeah, I heard he likes to do a hundred squats per every minute late. So that would be a yeah. lot of squats. But then hook is doing this whole thing where he's like, Hey, you know, if you got me a match on dark, I might shut up. Mm-hmm. And yeah, then powerhouse right. Hobbs is like, okay, don't tell Taz. And then, you know, we get a little bit of that angle going. Yeah, because then you could, yeah, then you could pit Taz against Hook. Oh, yeah. Hire us. Give fun us. stuff. We're, fun. We're stuff. available. Speaking of fun stuff. <laughs> yeah, desperately available. Please call us. Please give us a dollar. Anything. Anything. Literally but anything would help. Anything. Speaking of some fun stuff, though, we got a TNT Championship match after this segment, and it was champion Darby Allen versus one of my favorites. J.D. Drake, who cut his teeth on uh, Dark and Elevation, so credit to him for finally getting a Dynamite match, a championship match at that. This was fun. I liked this match a lot. I thought J.D. Drake looked like a million dollars in this. What did you think? I liked it a lot, I, I and I like, again, this is where I'm talking about they get so many people a spot, right? Like, WWE is never putting a guy in J.D. Drake's stance in the company in this match, at this point in the card, of even though we know, like, yeah, Darby Allen's winning this, and we'll probably not see J.D. Drake on Dynamite again for a while. Like, they still wouldn't just do it. They just wouldn't do it. And I like it. And I like, um, I don't know, if, again, on one of the darks, he's with this, like, Nemeth is trying to have wingmen, right? And he's mm-hmm. like, and Benoni's like, what the fuck is up with this guy? And then J.D. Drake comes by and he's like, hey, what? He's like, what are you, because he's like, did you call me fat or something like that? And, they're, and he's like trying to downplay that. And he's like, no, no, he's like, you're great. He's like, if you were just like, you know, like a little thinner, tanner, you know what I mean? taller like just a little you know I mean? just a few of these things he's like but everything's great i need a two wingman right like because that's what he's like uh so it could be fun uh, um but as far as like this match and where it was going like interesting right it, it makes you see jd drake especially if we've got nothing else really like we're buying time to get darby allen in a 
serious match. program or something. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I thought it was fine. It was good. Well, and also credit to a guy like Darby Allen, who is the champion and obviously being pushed to the moon, being aligned with Sting, which Sting was in this match chasing off Nemeth and taking out Benoni. Uh, but credit to, you know, if we're breaking kayfabe here, credit to Darby Allen to say, hey, J.D. Drake, obviously they know each other from their days in Evolve, but I'm going to let you have some offense, right? Like, I'm the star here, but you're going to do the spot where you throw me into the ropes from the outside and give me that big-ass clothesline, which is cool as shit. You're going to do some cool-ass moves to me because I'm going to let you shine in this spot. That's one other thing that, you know, you would never see traditionally speaking from a WWE type of segment where – even though we know, you know, whatever that talent is, is going to lose to the champion. Typically we just see the champion, you know, get two moves on them and then they take over and then they get their signature move and then we're done. And this match, it was 90% JD Drake. And then Darby Allen hits a coffin spot essentially. And that's the match. So yeah, to your point, I don't think we're going to see JD Drake next week in a promo saying, I want a rematch or anything, but you say that he's main eventing in a, uh, an elevation or a dark. I'm into it because I saw him now on Dynamite, and he gets you know my attention when you announce him on other cards. So credit to them. I thought everyone looked better after the match. Then after Darby Allen wins, we get Butcher and the Blade coming out, and they attack Darby Allen and the Hardy family office. I guess is what we're calling him comes out. Sting and the Dark Order chase him off, which was a little clunky, but you know whatever. But it leads right into Tay Conti attacking the bunny. And now we get Tay Conti and the bunny. And that was fun. That whole kind of like melee and, and, and breakdown was good. This Yeah, the Hardy Family Office thing. Uh, terrible name. But whatever. It's neither here nor there. Yeah. Um, you know, it was going to be a terrible group to begin with. Uh, so, yes, I, I like the the bunny and Tay Conti breakout though of it and that's kind of where the focus led to i like that they did that yeah and so i uh, actually have my notes here uh, a little bit wrong uh, take conti attack attacks the bunny but we right. don't get the match instantly we first get a video package uh for the promo of the main event because i believe if my timing was correct here we're starting to get to the top of the hour and at the top of the hour is when you do your fun things and speaking of that after the commercial break Marvez is interviewing Jericho. Jericho, again, just turning over a new leaf, complimenting Marvez. You know, the entire year and a half, or again, I don't know exactly how long we've been doing yeah, Dynamite. Everybody shits this, on Marvez. Yeah, but this guy, now Jericho's like, hey, you look great. Again, doesn't get more than three sentences out, and the pinnacle just beats his ass, drags him to the ring. They're beating him up. They're putting the boots to him. They set up a table to the outside. They're going to powerbomb him from the inside of the ring to the outside through a table. And guess who comes to make the save? Old man, Iron Man, Iron Man, or Iron. Old Ironsides Mike, Mike Tyson. <laughs> yeah. Mike Tyson comes out, and he rips his shirt off, and he takes, you know, his yeah, ones got it and this twos. time. Yeah, but he took his ones and twos and puts them upside Sean Spears' head credits sean spears to be like yeah i'll do that spot because i fucking wouldn't not with mike tyson he might get real with me well or just like he thinks he's pulling a punch but he's a little off today because he's done whatever mike tyson does mm -hmm. and he thinks he's pulling a punch but doesn't realize what pulling a punch is to a normal human versus mike tyson and still knocks you silly and concusses yeah. you and now you're out for three months 
Yeah, uh, this was good. I thought now, you know, the last time we saw Mike Tyson, he had the stare down with Chris Jericho. Fast forward to last night. Now these two are. Mike Tyson always with that swerve, right? With the hey. PX, with the. Yeah. With the, that, yeah. Good point. He's mm -hmm. staying consistent to his character. And it's Don't always a rip. Tyson. Well, and no. it's always a rip of the shirt. That's what signifies the change of heart. You know, WrestleMania 14 ripped off the DX shirt. He had this. Me. Yeah. That's what he did last Here's night. What's really going on? Yeah. Uh, I thought this was fine. I thought again, if you're going to have Mike Tyson involved, this was a perfect spot because he doesn't have to do too much. Although he did throw some thing. punches. Yeah, but he did throw some punches at Sean Spears. And again, credit yeah, to Sean risky. Spears for yeah doing that spot. Then next Could have week some is smelling salts on hand. Yeah, for sure. Uh, then it was announced next week that we're going to get uh, Chris Jericho, or excuse me, we're going to get Mike Tyson as the special enforcer uh, for a match uh, that involves the Pinnacle versus the Inner Circle, uh, Chapter One, I guess you can call it. So we'll see what that looks like. And as you talked about earlier, the rankings. This is where I want your feedback. We go after that with Tyson ripping off his shirt and Tyson and Jericho shaking hands right into Shivani Shabon uh, backstage interviewing Britt Baker. And Britt Baker's like, rankings are fucking dumb. I don't care about wins. I care that I'm selling the most merch. Uh, I am the highest rated. That was the best. best. Yeah, she said, she was like, rankings as if like wins and losses matter. She was like, they don't matter. She was like, what matters is like merchandise sale. <laughs> like everything that like WWE is like, uh -huh. I don't even think like, I mean, maybe that was a dig at them for that, but like it was like it was like who brings media, like who's clearly better, right? Like it was just like bullshit reasons, and it was so fun, right? And then she was like, that like rankings matter, or you know, like wins and losses. Let's go show what these matter. Yeah. Oh God, this promo was great. She's so good. She even also had promos on one of the darks that was mm -hmm. really good. She's so mm -hmm. good. Now she did say, "All right, if you want me to get the wins, then you're about to see me get the wins on Dynamite." dark and elevation so you know the dmd is here to fuck shit up and that's great but to your credit or to your point i don't think this was necessarily a dig just at wwe if you look at the you know picture of combat sports that's all conor mcgregor conor mcgregor hasn't fucking won a fight since you know black and white television Somebody's and he's drawn. main eventing every card yeah so it's not as if well you that know, was the thing that to wwe's credit they were like we could have John Cena lose three months in a row and put him in the WrestleMania main event and he'd still mm -hmm. draw more eyeballs yeah. than any fucking thing else. So sorry, guys. You know what I mean? Like, it's that's just the way, the, way it the world works. Right. Yeah. I can tell you of so many fighters, you know, for breaking kayfabe here in the UFC that are on seven or eight fight win streaks that are never even sniffed a pay-per-view card. And then I can tell you about, again, a guy like Conor McGregor, who's lost his last two. And guess what? July 10th, he's going to be main eventing another pay-per-view. So it's just, to Britt Baker's point, fucking rankings don't matter. Which kind of is difficult to say in AEW, because remember when they launched all these uh, press releases about who they were, they really hammered home those rankings. And now we got one of their top talents saying, like, Fuck that shit. <laughs> well, and she's not wrong. Like, she's the best. And part of the best is because she has lost a couple of the matches that she's put out there. Yeah. So. All right. So let's keep talking about the women's division here because then we do get into the bunny versus Tay Conti. Again, Matt Hardy butchering the blade in the corner of the bunny. Uh, Tay Conti has negative uh, one and the rest of Dark Order. Uh, the match ends with the bunny 
taking the kendo stick from Sheeta, who was also ringside, smacking her upside the head, and then smacking Tay Conti upside the head. But then Sheeta helps Tay Conti, and Tay Conti gets the victory. I'm okay with it, but I think it's a little bit hard to say, like, number one contender and the champ are best friends. Like, that. Yeah, but we may get, like, a triple threat. And this that's is so, true. Like she'll be like, "I'm gonna give you a title shot to take Conti, right?" And and then the, and you're like, "You're the she's number one, or is it? But it was her, right?" Yeah, take Conti is the uh, number like one you're number two. one. You know what I mean? You prove that here, and then Bunny come out and be like, "No, it's because of your interference and blah 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 blah." And then you know, triple threat, which wouldn't be terrible. That's a great idea. I think that your idea right there is the money match to make because take Conti versus Sheeta is essentially fine fine but if their friendship is tested because let's say in a triple threat with the shitster brit baker you know brit's laying on her back and take conti wants to get that one two three and then Sheeta has to pull her off of brit baker because bitch you ain't taking my title well now we got a little friction right and what happens there and what happens with the dark order you know are they still team take conti or are they just team whoever's winning because what if they start to side with Sheeta? Yeah. Or what if they what? were too busy to notice because they were chasing after Hangman Adam Page? Now, also, I know she's going to be out for some months, so depending on how slow we play out this storyline, what if then Anna Jay comes back and Conti's the champ uh, representing the Dark Order, but Anna Jay's like, bitch, this is my group. I know we're friends, but you ain't taking my friends. Keep it 100, but I'm 99, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, keep it 100, but I'm 99 mm-hmm. in this bitch. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I think we have some interesting stories if we just don't go with, Hey, take Conti and Sheeta friends in a friendly championship match. Cause that tag team against these two. And then yeah, fight. Yeah. I, I need a little bit more juice there. And I think your idea of the triple threat, that's where we get to the fun, the quickest speaking again of the women's division, we got a, a recap of the feud between red velvet and Jade Cargill, which will be happening next week. I'm excited that this gets a payoff and we don't wait till May 5th. I will say that. Yeah. I just, yeah. I mean, and this makes sense too. They didn't really ever resolve anything out of that match. Cause that was a, there were two dudes involved. We couldn't always fight. Now this is the one-on-one between us. And I, I still think Jade Cargill goes over in that. And I do too. I just think I'm happy that it's happening on dynamite and we're not doing this weird, like red velvet in action against the bunny. And then red velvet looks strong. And then we get Jade Cargill versus, um, I can't, you know, uh, the librarian girl that used to be, uh, blue pants, whatever her name is. Yeah. What is it? Uh, that girl it's blue pants, but I don't know her name in AEW. I forgot it. We don't fact check here. Fuck it. Um, but I'm glad that blue pants, I know blue pants is what they should have went with. I don't know yeah. if that's trademarked by WWE, but blue pants is getting over. They could have just changed it. Could have been, you know, pink pants. pants. Yeah, whatever <laughs> it wants to be. Yeah, um, but I, again, I'm happy that they're just getting right to it. We're not doing this slow play into a pay per view. Nah, fuck that. You want some ratings? You want a good fight? Next week, these two women gonna punch each other in the mouth. I'm I'm here for it. Now let's get into the main event: a trios match. John Moxley and the AEW World Tag Team Champions, the Young Bucks, taking on AEW World Heavyweight Champion Kenny Omega and the Good Brothers with Don Callis. 
this was okay. Right? Yeah, I mean, it was okay. Uh, Let's just get to the finish, right? Yeah. Good, good action all throughout as, of course, all six guys are exceptional pro wrestlers. I don't think we've ever said that they're not. Uh, we just may not like two of their characters, and we'll get to that in a second. Uh, the finish, though, was uh, Matt Jackson couldn't do the the knee thing to the face of Kenny Omega, um, the BTE trigger, I think they call it. I don't know. Whatever. No fact checks here. Um, but he can't do it. And so John Moxley's like, you fucking puss. I'll get out of here. And he just hits paradigm shifts. And I love after I believe it was the second one. He he shoulder checks or chest checks Nick Jackson. It was like, this is how you fucking do it. Like, take out this guy. Yeah. So, again, the plot hole comes in here. We said this already last week with Cody Rhodes and Quick Time Marshall that you've wrestled friends before and you didn't hesitate to kick him in the face. You guys are wrestlers. Like, Even in this promotion, last year at Revolution, when it was Kenny Omega and Hangman Adam Page taking on the Young Bucks, the Young yeah. Bucks did this move to him. And Cody just did this. <laughs> so, like, guys, we've got to spread this out. Mm-hmm. And again, I, I, the American TNT watcher, know you guys have a history. Know there was a thing called the Bullet Club. No, there was like a Japan time where you guys were stars, but that's kind of it. I don't know what the story was. I, I didn't follow it. So you, oh my God, I can't hit my friend, hit my friend is missed on me because I don't have the backstory of like the friendship, the depth, the deepness. Why would you like, I can't get Kenny Omega in the face, even though I've already wrestled five minutes of a match against them. It just doesn't make sense done yeah i i think they've done a little bit of that storytelling when kenny omega the previous week said hey i didn't choose aw i choose i chose you guys and you guys didn't choose me that makes sense from kenny omega's mm-hmm. part and he's maybe playing on the heartstrings of the young bucks which fast forward to this match maybe that's why they can't do it but to your point you wrestled for seven or ten minutes whatever it was kicking them and punching them so you can't do this fucking move uh yeah and again Cody did this last week with Quick Trip Marshall. Yeah. So, and remind you, this move we've seen it a million times. Doesn't like end people's careers. They can wrestle next week. You don't even finish every match with it. So, like you know, people get up from it. So it's not like you're Fair just point. not slapping him in the face is the only thing you're not doing. And Tom, I'd slap you in the face for a laugh, let oh. alone to try to win a match. Yeah, if it's <laughs> if if money's on the line, I'm punching my mom right in the face. Uh, I don't right? give a shit of who it is on right. that other side. You know, because again, to your point, and that's actually a great point. This isn't the concerto, right? When Ed, Edge and Christian used to do the concerto, that was a, oh shit, this person's going to be out for some months. Or Randy Orton's punt, you know, when he punted right. Vince McMahon and some other people. That's a move where you go, oh fuck, the person on the receiving end of this move is not going to be here for a yeah, while. This isn't the mid rope DDT. Yeah, you know, it's 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 a finisher air quotes but again we see people kick out of it so it's not the most devastating move in pro wrestling but as we were talking about john moxley gets pissed and is like get the fuck out of the ring you little babies i'll take care of this i hate this fucking guy remember he tried to kill me in an explosion match so you fuckers and so he's bop 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 and then 
He goes to do it again. And this is when the Young Bucks, I think, mistimed it. Mistimed one of them it? Kicked, yeah, miss, one of them kicked him. Then the other one kicked him. They were supposed to double kick. One kicked first and kind of missed. And then the second one hit. Yeah. And Moxley and so, sold it well. but Yeah, he did yeah. well. He did well on his part. And again, there's no take twos in wrestling. So, ah. But again, if you're supposed to be the What happened shit, is Young Buck 2 forgot that they were supposed to take a dramatic pause where they looked at each other first and then kicked. And so he kicked and Young Buck 1 was like, God damn it. Now I got to here. And then fucking kicked him too. And luckily Moxley knew what was up. Yeah. And so then after that, uh, the Good you Brothers. always wait for the dramatic pause. Tom, you always wait for the dramatic pause. Of course you do. Amateur. That that, Tim, is what you do. God damn. So, so the good, good brothers so good. then drape Kenny Omega over John Moxley. They get the one, two, three, but we're not done here. Then the good brothers are like, let's fuck up John Moxley more. And the greatest pro wrestler on earth right now, Eddie Kingston walks out and was like, Hey, don't fuck up my friend. And he runs out hobbling because he has a broken ankle. Good Brothers take care of him. And then the Young Bucks, they start really kicking John Moxley. And what we get at the very end of the episode is a group hug. They don't do the hand signals. Uh, Dark-haired Young Buck says, let's do a hug. And they all hug yeah, to except finish like the they episode. Still kind of did this thing where they're like, we kind of don't want to be doing this, but we're doing it. It's like, are you guys the accessory to murder who, like, it wasn't your idea to kill the guy, but now you're helping bury the body and you're trying to act like, well, I didn't want to do it. Tough shit. You did it. So now, now what happens? Yeah, I think, I think after the hug, which we saw on air, they need to stop the, oh, what do we do? It's our friend. Of course we're going to help our friend. It's the. Yeah, don't have one foot in, one foot out. Well, because you did the hug. Now that we did the hug the curtain call hug you got to put your middle fingers up and say fuck this promotion fuck this company yeah and again as we talked about at the start of this episode once we established that john moxley's been maybe you know uh, flushed out of this storyline we got to establish those elite guys as the big villainous heels taking over the company that they own and that's when that dark knight on a fucking white horse comes galloping in and says you motherfuckers i knew it the whole entire time i'm beating someone's ass and then you get hangman adam page and he decimates the entire elite start with the good brothers get them kick them out of the company have them tucking their tail behind their legs and sending them back to impact then the young bucks guess what i got my friend eddie kingston we're gonna fuck you guys up boom now you guys are out and then kenny omega you dirty bastard. I'm going to stick my five fingers upside your face. Oh, I can't wait. Buckshot Lariat coming for that ass. Oh, can you picture the the mayhem? I think we talked about this earlier uh, when we were just talking about the what we we're going to do tonight. The, I, I just have this picture in my head that I'm just so excited for. Whatever the pay-per-view is, double or nothing, whatever, you know, the revolution, whatever the pay-per-view is that we're going to do this. Sin. You have... Yeah, sure. Sin. Yeah, let's do 2000 Sin. Uh, we have pandemonium everywhere. We have the Good Brothers and the Young Bucks fighting the, the Dark Order. We have Colt Cabana, you know, punching uh, Carl Anderson in the face. We got 
guns and poses, jumping on the big guy, and he's giving him like a rear naked choke while negative one's yeah, kicking like him in the him. shin. Yeah. yeah. Negative one's kicking him in the shin. He's got, you know, guns and poses on his back. Yeah, just trying to like punch him in the Doing ear. The, the head punch, yep. Yeah, and you got that, and then you got more pandemonium just all across it. And then out of all that craziness comes the buckshot lariat mm. right on a turning Kenny Omega, and he just eats it. And then we get the one, two, three. Oh, and then here's here's the cherry on the top for me. If we're still doing it at Daly's place, let's assume it's Daly's place, right? You then take out the trash of Kenny Omega and you put his unconscious body over the horse and then you smack the horse on the ass and the horse gallops out with Kenny Omega on him and we don't see Kenny Omega for three months or however long it is. You forgot the most important aspect. What's that? Right after that buckshot lariat, right before the pin, the dramatic pause. That's it, Tim. Right. God, Tim, mm-hmm. as I typically do now on all of these Spanish announce table reboots, 16.8, mm-hmm. I give a chef's kiss. Mm-hmm. Typically it's for AEW. Mm-hmm. However, Tim, this week's chef's kiss That's is for me. you. The dramatic pause. Mm. I feel so honored. I do. So that was AEW Dynamite. Mm-hmm. What did you think? Kind of a high-level view, recap in the episode. They were going up against Stand and Deliver Night 1, so how do you think they did? Really good. I thought I thought they did really good given um, that they're in this transition period of, like, we got to tell some new stories, and they're starting those without beating us over the head with it. We've got mm-hmm. some existing stories that are heating up, be it, like, the, uh, the inner circle and the pinnacle. Um, I, I'm excited. I thought this was an A show. I thought it was really done well. Also giving consideration to WrestleMania week where you don't want to say, here's our best, best shot. When you have some of the di- WWE diehards that said like, I love AEW, but it's stand and deliver night one. So my eyes are going to be glued there for this week. And so AEW, hopefully knowing that says, okay, well, then we're not just going to push all of our chips in and say, this is who we are. Let's, let's hold some things back. And when this WrestleMania week dies down, then we'll revamp, you know, some Cody comes back and beats up quick trip Marshall or whatever those moments are when more people are going to be viewing us because WrestleMania week is over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, well, I guess we can just move on then, huh? Yeah. So as you mentioned, uh, we are currently, uh, filming slash recording this episode during stand and deliver night two. So we can't give you that uh, recap, uh, but we will share our thoughts next week. However, night one was last night and we won't give a full recap. Cause again, we'll kind of compile it all as one thought next week, but stand and deliver night one. What was your uh, big moment Ooh, for you, man? That Walter match. Oh, some intenseness, right? And the main event between Gonzalez and, and Io Shirai was was fun too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but man, this one sticks out as like, whew, these guys are really going at it. I think I sent you a message that uh, Champa uh, looks like he's training to be on that Vince McMahon pinup calendar. Oh man, he is juiced to the gills. Mm-hmm. Whether that's WWE diet or natural, I don't know. But man, he looks better than ever. And what in the name of Luthez was that finish? It ended on a clothesline, which was impactful. I'm not saying like, oh, it was a shitty roll up. It was a clothesline from hell. JBL should have thanked Walter during his Hall of Fame speech for how great the fucking chops are coming from 
from Walter. I know it's not a clothesline, but it's a fucking chop from Jesus Christ. And a chop it, from and, Jesus Christ. <laughs> show title if I ever heard one. <laughs> and it ended the night for Champa. I just thought the finish was awesome because more of that needs to happen. We don't always need signature move finisher one two three it can be a chop if you're known for a jesus christ (laughs) it's gonna be somebody's fucking finisher title oh it's It's the chop from jesus christ (laughs) it's gonna be a preacher gimmick oh if he gets yeah get devon back on camera and start doing that and and his preacher gimmick that they've they've tried to run forever right and he has the chop from jesus christ and he just chops somebody and they just <laughs> like full bap you know southern baptist yeah like the yeah just uh-huh. go yeah right oh, i have them start speaking in tongues yes. oh yeah dude. Oh. Chop- <laughs> that's what Jesus it do Christ. hire us i don't understand why nobody wants to hire us <laughs> oh my god but yeah night one was great yeah the main event was awesome but i agree with you that Walter Champa match, um, that was the home run. That main event, though, is interesting because I didn't think they were going to give Raquel Gonzalez the title. That's an interesting – if I would have thought somebody was going to take this finally from Io Shirai, I would have thought it would have been somebody they – I didn't think they were building somebody like new to that spot, I guess. It's interesting. I, I think it was interesting to do it with their first encounter. I mm-hmm. thought maybe Io gets the victory, all right. You know, Raquel Gonzalez is on a war path. She gets victories over a couple other people. And then at the next pay-per-view, she yeah, says, I'm coming for you. Yeah. And then it's the rematch between well, EO and Raquel. And that's so the Dakota Kai out. aspect of this becomes a much cooler story now. Like, is she going to be jealous? How does she handle this? Yeah. Well, and that's what we've been talking about uh, on the podcast for a couple weeks here is EO Shirai, the night of a pay-per-view, is going to deliver a 10 out of 10 match. And I'm never going to dispute that fact. However, the weeks leading up to that pay-per-view is not must-see TV. So if you give me a storyline where Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez are frenemies kind of thing, you know, mm-hmm. keep your friends closer, but your enemy or your friends close, but your enemies closer kind of thing, that's something that I'm gonna want to watch. So again, Io Shirai, home run, love her when she does her in-ring action, but a more compelling story is. Dakota Kai and her relationship with Raquel Gonzalez, who is now the champion. So I do like that, but I agree with you. I thought we would have had more of a culmination, a rematch or a, you know, stand and deliver is a big time moment. I'm not saying it's not, but a more, Oh my God, a clash of two Titans going after it. You know, that's what I would have thought. But another thing I wanted to say though, with Walter, and I told you this before we started recording, I'm always a fan, and I think you would agree with me here, that we are fans that want a story, right? Stories are what we're watching. We're not necessarily watching matches. However, Walter, for me, is a guy that I don't even need a story anymore. If I just, if you just tell me Walter's in action, I'm tuning in because yeah. every match is so fucking great. Well, you always have a built-in David Goliath story with almost everybody, right? There's going to be few exceptions. There's going to be a Braun Strowman if he ever gets in it, you know, like a Big mm-hmm. E maybe. But even Big E is probably shorter, right? So, yeah. I, I, yes, and he knows how to do that very well and very believably. I, I can't think of a person I know in my life that could, like, go up to Walter and move him off of the spot he's on if he didn't want to be moved, right? So – very very good at that for sure and yeah i haven't seen a match yet where i'm like this is boring even though it's largely similar like i've said here 
And then I think that's the next evolution of Walter is to your point. What does it look like when he faces Braun Strowman? What does it look like down the road? And I'm saying six months to a year. Great Khali. Well, you know Hall what I was thinking of? Well, no, no, no. I'm thinking of Amos. What does Amos versus Walter look like? Let's say Amos gets some matches With in. Great Khali is the special enforcer. Oh, Christ. No. And then we no. can add Daniel Bryan to the match. Well, now you got me tuned <laughs> in. Right. If you get Daniel Bryan in there, I'm in. And speaking of Daniel Bryan, let's get right into our WrestleMania predictions. So WrestleMania Tim, predictions. We've been I'll doing this you. for, this is the 400th episode, as we've talked about on this feed. It's the 327th episode of the Spanish Announce Table proper. But every year we do a WrestleMania predictions and a preview. And we're going to cover them. I'm going to read them right now off of WWE.com. So this is the card Thursday night. Should be mostly finalized. Card subject to change, of course, so don't hate us. And I'm going to read right from their website from the bottom, so I don't know an order or nothing. Naomi and Lana versus Mandy Rose and Dana Brooke versus the Riot Squad versus Natalia and Tamina. Tag team turmoil. Tom, Mandy Rose and Dana Brooke are winning this match. Tell me why. Uh, They're not. Ooh. Because, again, you have the winner of this match going into night two taking on the tag team champs. And the most compelling story with uh, Nia Jax is Lana. So you get Lana and uh, Naomi getting the victory. And then, no, because you know why? You got to get the ultimate payoff. Nia Jax is putting Lana through a goddamn table at WrestleMania. Oh, geez. No, um, nope. Because I think they're high on this Manny Rose Dana Brooke team. I've seen so many side interviews with them and focus on them that that's all for a reason. They're going to plug them. They're going to be they're going to be champ champs. I tell you what, in Chris Jericho's promo, he talked about how good FTR was, but he doesn't know who's who. I'm not saying that Mandy Rose and Dana Brooke are as good as FTR because they're not. But sometimes I don't know who's who when they're wrestling. Yo, I forgot about that line from Chris Jericho's promo, but that was fucking great. Yeah. Which is even better because it's true and they don't look anything alike. So it's not <laughs> like they – that would be one thing if they were near twins or something. Like Mandy Rose and Dana brothers. Yeah. Yeah, and you're kind of like, I don't know which one is which. But no, these guys look nothing alike and I still don't know which one is which when it happens. Anyway. Um, Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, and we're going to have this Logan Paul involvement somehow, right? So what, uh... Hey, I will say this. We have talked about it last week that this storyline feels rushed. However, when you watch the promo video for Sami Zayn's new documentary, it gets you invested. When I got it here. Kevin Owens wins this because Logan Paul helps, and this is going to further that Sami Zayn down the rabbit hole conspiracy theory because it's not done. I mean, there's no payoff at Mania for this, so it has to continue. So he's got to lose, and what better way than the guy he thought was there to help keep an eye on things for him? Okay, so then does Jebediah Paul rip off a T-shirt? He comes out there in a Sami Zayn T-shirt, and then, you know, uh, Ezekiel Paul says – Hey, it's Kevin Owens WrestleMania Five T-shirt underneath. Is that is that what we're getting from uh, uh, Jeff? Well, we're gonna Paul get Kevin here. Owens and and Paul Paul standing there, holding mm-hmm. hands up, pointing to the sign. God, they mm-hmm. are gonna point to the sign. They're gonna point to the sign and get all those USA Today and Sports Illustrated shots. And- 
I even told you this uh, in a direct message, I believe. But if you would have taken this storyline serious that Sami Zayn believes there is a conspiracy and there's one person behind it, that could be a main event, not on WrestleMania. I'm not saying you main event WrestleMania with that, but whatever the next pay-per-view is could after this. Right. You could. If there if you, was a conspiracy against him, if you did it right. Yes. Yeah, instead of just saying, like, oh, this is goofball. Hey, guys, it's goofball. This led up Zane. to The Rock being against, you know, again, fill in the blank. I understand it may not be in WWE's eyes, Sami Zayn to be this guy, but ex wrestler thinks there's a conspiracy against him. They thought it was Cena. They thought it was whatever, like Randy Orton, you know, like the whole time. And then we come to find out, oh, it is a conspiracy against you, you know? Yeah, yeah I think, you could I think if, they would have, if they would have taken this serious, it would have been a much more – interesting story but with that being said i agree with you kevin owens going to get the victory to further the sammy storyline and then um uh jebediah paul will be pointing at the wrestlemania sign peter paul uh intercontinental championship match biggie versus apollo cruz in a nigerian dumb fight drum fight excuse me nigerian drum fight which i don't even know what the fuck that is yeah i i ah Peacock won't have blackface on it, but they're going to have this. And to be clear, the blackface one, I'm kind of like, yeah, okay. Yeah, I get it. Right? Pull it. Whatever. I understand. But this? (laughs) Like, we're going to go live with this. Well, if we want to start talking about Peacock and their censorship, it makes no fucking sense. Because we're going to start pulling things that we say don't meet our standards. But hey, everyone watch this John Wayne Gacy murder documentary. He fucking murders people, guys. Yeah. Check that out. Right. It was real. Yeah, all those fucking uh, CSI shows show literal blood and guts on all of oh them all the God. time. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but with this, I've got Apollo Cruz. I don't think he's going to lose his own gimmick match at WrestleMania. If this was... Uh, SummerSlam or any lesser pay-per-view, maybe, but I don't think at WrestleMania he loses his own gimmick match. No. Oh, you think? Oh, so you said? Uh, um, I got Apollo Cruz. Yeah, because it's this gimmick match, this mania, and then it continued the storyline, which probably mm-hmm. isn't over. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna go with you there. Other than it, it all, to, you know, without having looked over the card and determined, like if we were doing this for points, you know, they they do. I think it's point out, like they'll they'll look at it and go like, like they would make that call and then look at it and be like, oh crap, we have seven heels winning yeah switch up mm-hmm. biggie you're winning and then they go fuck right like yeah. 15 minutes into it before the match or something so that could happen but i think the storyline way to go here is is apollo cruz wins this nigerian drum fight puts him through a big drum pins him on one yeah and that's are, a stipulation people, match is it like a lumberjack match where guys are just playing the drums the entire time that would be annoying Cesaro versus Seth Rollins, which will be an amazing match. These guys will leave it all out there. And Mm -hmm. the story, I mean, they did the best they could to kind of, you know, if it's Seth Rollins is going to show up in the suit of the night. Oh, my God. His fashion right now is the most interesting thing about him. I love this stuff. It's so silly. It is. Um, But I think Cesaro wins. I think Seth Rollins is going to pull it what he can, and I think they're trying to push Cesaro, so I think Cesaro wins. Yeah, I think Seth Rollins is solidified for life until maybe he goes on a huge losing streak. Then maybe something might happen. But Seth Rollins is always going to be Seth Rollins. So I think if we break kayfabe here for a second, they're really good friends. I think Seth Rollins wants to do this for Cesaro. I also think, as I talked about a few weeks back, 
I don't know necessarily that WWE knew that Seth Rollins would be ready for Mania. So this feels like a, oh shit, you're back? Cool. Let's just throw you in there and we'll have a fun match. And that's what this is. So then that's why I think Cesaro will win. I do predict though, again, we're not doing points here, but I do predict maybe the longest swing of all time. I think we're breaking records here. I wouldn't be shocked if it's a minute and a half, two minutes of a just straight swing because they're going to go all out on that. Yeah, they probably will practice that. Um, all right, United States Championship, Riddle versus Sheamus. I-, I feel like Riddle's supposed to win this, but he did flub his lines recently. He's a little wishy-washy, so they c- I could always see them being like, nah, Sheamus is taking this. Uh, but I'm going to say Riddle wins. I got Sheamus, and I got Sheamus because, again, breaking kayfabe, I think they're going to say, Sheamus, good God, your matches with Lashley, your matches with McIntyre are just off the charts. You deserve some type of moment at WrestleMania. So here you go. It's not the main event, but it's something. Hope you're happy. And that's where Riddle will, you know, get fucked up and lose the match. And Sheamus is now the terror of the United States or whatever he wants to do there. <sighs> yeah, I don't fucking care. This is this is my point too. WrestleMania is two nights. Fuck that. It's stupid. WrestleMania should be the reward for the best stories and best talent. Mandy Rhodes and all of that stuff. Hey, you guys are fine. Yeah, we don't Good need luck a US title year. match just to have one. We don't need we the don't Sheamus need Riddle. This stuff. The story yeah. didn't exist, doesn't exist, won't exist. And we don't need it. We we don't What let's let's take a pause here real quick cuz I do want your uh input on this. What do you think of a two-night WrestleMania? I think it's dumb. I hate it. This I, I is why. two-night anything. Yeah. And I hate it for this reason. If I were going, right, we plan on going eventually, whenever that is. If my goal is to see Seth Rollins, right? Well, you know that WrestleMania sells out before the damn card is announced. So if I just hope that I buy night one because I want to see Seth Rollins, and then the week that I travel down to whatever city it's in, and I find out Seth Rollins is on night two, yeah, I will be pissed off. And the whole thing is... I don't need two nights of mania. It's too much. I, you have NXT. You have the Hall of Fame. You have all the mania access stuff. If you want more wrestling, you've got groups that you're putting on your network. I don't know if that's still a deal with Peacock, but like you could have shows running of, you know what I mean? Dark matches, not dark. Mm-hmm. Dark, yeah. but dark, you know? Not the dark, dark, but the dark. God damn it. Everybody knows what I'm talking about. Yeah, um, yeah I just, it's too much. I understand why they did it last year because they were like, fuck, we don't know what we're doing. Yeah. I, I totally not forgive, but, but I totally understand. I hope this isn't a new trend. Yeah. I hope it's not two years every night or every last night. year. Yeah. yeah. Last year I a hundred percent was like, yep, this totally makes sense. Especially because you were doing some cinematic matches and things of that nature. So hundred percent down with the two well, nights. And it was like, okay, we understand you guys can't come here. It's a big deal. So we'll make it longer. Yeah. More matches, more fun. We'll try to fit it all in for you guys. And we're like, okay. Yeah, and that was totally cool. I applauded them for the uh, the the um, detour that they took, but let's not make this two nights. Because to, to, to the fans' perspective, WrestleMania sells out before the card is announced, and if you're wanting to see the return of Becky Lynch, you don't have enough money to buy two nights of WrestleMania Just, tickets. That's it. Like, again, you're asking me now to dedicate so much of my life to you guys. And and I know people will be like, well, you don't have to watch. 
okay, that's great if I'm pulling the entire plug on watching any of their product. But if I want to watch some of it, I'm not going to, like, selectively in and out watch part of Mania. Like, come on. Like, that's not a thing, right? Like, you're watching the product or you're not. And telling me that, like, just because, like, it's reached over a tipping point that it's too long that I should just not watch any of it is is well not, is not real, right? Like, we're not doing that. So, fucking come on here. Dial yeah, and and for this year specifically, uh, you don't really have the luxury of saying, like, I'll skip this because you can't skip anything. Because if you miss it when it starts, you can't go back and you just dive into whatever part you've tuned into. So, that also sucks. But, anyhow. Let's get back into the card. I just wanted your uh, opinion on that two well, nights. This will turn things around. Braun Strowman and Shane McMahon uh, in a steel cage match. Why? Two things here. Why do we feel the need to always have Shane McMahon do something stupid at WrestleMania? And why is it every year Braun Strowman has to be the special attraction? Andre the giant type moment where he wins the tag champions with a six year old, or he does the Andre the giant battle, whatever the Royal. so so many things. It, it plays into what you said. This should be a reward for the best performances and the best storylines all year long. Um, and and another thing I'm going to talk about is like I get that like it may not be that like any one part of the card is the thing that we think is going to bring everybody to the card. It's that when we put this gigantic card together, everybody goes, "Look at this card." And so, therefore, we put as much as we can on the card. But, like, Braun Strowman did nothing all year. All right. Do you think anybody pulled the trigger to finally buy the Peacock or watch WrestleMania because finally they put Braun Strowman in a match? What about that same question about Shane McMahon? No, I think so people are canceling. Like, exactly, <laughs> So, why the fuck? Why uh, the fuck? Will, are we going to stretch this to a two-night? That's the thing is you're jam-packing four hours worth of the best storylines in wrestling in the world into 12 fucking hours you know what i mean like you're you're just fucking diluting it so much for no reason i agree yeah and with this match uh i don't care stroman wins yeah sure not us all right you ready for this one let's go it's bad bunny and damian priest versus the miz and john morrison and this again Damian Priest shows up three days before Mania, and he's like, here? All this tells me is Bad Bunny ain't doing so well in the uh, in the pre-match training, right? So they're like, fuck, we got to pull an audible here. And so I don't feel like this is going to be worth a shit at all. Well, but Bad Bunny yes. and Damian Priest win. Yeah, of course. But you know why we're doing this one, because look at, the, again, what Britt Baker was talking about. Doesn't care about rankings and wins. Cares about merchandise sales and views, and Bad Bunny gets all of those. So I get it. I'm not saying you only make the best stories. I'm saying you should, but I do get the exception of Bad Bunny brings in the most people. Okay. Hey. Well, you put it there. If we're going to focus on long term storytelling, then let's talk about the Raw Women's Championship match Asuka versus Rhea Ripley. That was a good one. That All got right. me. I was like, "Hey, what's I mean, the story we're telling?" Yeah, what's the story we're telling here? Mm-hmm. What is the story we're telling here? Oscar wins. I don't give a shit. Um, I bet Rhea Ripley wins, huh? Yeah, I'm fucking yeah. Uh, Rhea Ripley. It's the big splash. Look, they had Oscar ruin her win streak to to Charlotte, so they don't necessarily give a shit really about the feelings of 
of Asuka. So yeah, Rhea Ripley gets the, hey, I'm the new shiny toy in the women's division. Look at this. They just handed Asuka a belt. Remember when Becky Lynch got... (laughs) Mm-hmm. Well, that made sense because yeah. Becky was like, "Hey, I'm yeah. pregnant." And he's like, yeah, well, you want to turn me? Here you go. Yeah. yeah. All right. The Fiend versus Randy Orton. What are we doing here? What do you think? I what are we no doing? Clue. Are we doing a Firefly Funhouse match? Or nope. Are we doing a? You think we're doing a match? No, they'll probably do a cinematic match, huh? I don't fucking know. Are we doing a Bugs on the Ring match? God, I hope not. That was are them. We... Yeah. That was that those was two guys. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> They did the in your house match. Uh-huh. Was it the same match? The bugs on the. No, that was different. Two right? different matches. That Two was WrestleMania. Yeah, they did the WrestleMania match with the bugs on the ring, and then they did another match with the house in in St. Louis, uh, where they fought all around there and looked at like out of date refrigerators and shit. Um, yeah, what it's if like it's they a... literally like went and paid somebody to like they're like, hey, can we fuck up your house? We'll give yeah. you like ten thousand dollars. People like, hey, fuck it. Yeah. I was going to sell it for 10, or I was going to sell it for five, so I guess I'll take 10. Yeah. The guy's like, I just evicted somebody out of here anyway. Fuck it. Go for it. I think think they may do a a hybrid, honestly. I think they want to do a Bray Wyatt, ooh, kind of entrance. Well, that's what I'm saying. So I think we get the Bray Wyatt does the spooky stuff, and everyone goes, like, oh, that's so fun. Look at him, you know. But they may fight to the back. And then we go into the Firefly Funhouse, and now we get our Firefly Funhouse match. I don't know, but... The Fiend wins. Yeah, I think so. I think Alexa Bliss may help. Unless Randy Orton wins because Alexa Bliss helps. Oh, that'd be, that would be more interesting than they're capable of. That's what you do at a Mania, though, because then you go, catch more on Raw. But they don't do that. Mm-hmm. Raw Tag Team Championships, The New Day versus AJ Styles and almost, almost, uh, uh, Styles and almost are winning this. Yeah, I want to go back real quick. When you had mentioned that Alexa Bliss may help Randy Orton, the last time I can honestly think of a female talent helping out someone at Mania was WrestleMania 20, I think it was when Trish Stratus turned on Christian and then sided with Chris Jericho. That was 17 years ago. That way, yeah. Was a bit. Jesus Christ. And so everyone's here, yeah. still... Yeah. What? I said everyone's still active. Everyone's Good still God. Active. That's true. All right, so here we got AJ Styles and Amos, New Day, Tag Team Championships. I think Styles and Amos are going to win this. Oh, yeah. This is made for, you know, as much as we're predicting internally that – uh, Shane McMahon's going to jump off of something crazy with Braun Strowman throwing him off of whatever. I think also this is made for Amos to grab Kofi Kingston and throw him into the 10th row or whatever it is. So that's what this whole match is made for. SmackDown Women's Championship, Sasha Banks, Bianca Belair. I think Sasha Banks wins. I think they give her a mania moment. She wins a, a pay-per-view with a title, you know what I mean, and holds it high. Mm-mm. I got, I got, oh man, if we were doing predictions, this is what I would honestly say. This is what my gut says. I think we're going to get a WrestleMania moment where we're going to get a new submission from Britt Baker or Britt Baker from Bianca Belair. And we're going to get Bianca Belair takes her fucking hair and chokes out Sasha Banks. I got the answer. What is it? Here's what happens. Bianca Belair wins because mm-hmm. of interference. Uh-oh. From somebody not on the card. 
Oh, uh, Bailey. Bailey. Oh, that'd be fun. And then on the main stage of Mania, fuck you. Ah, cost you the title. And then Bianca Belair's, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Walking that away, and Sasha's like, you. And the mega power still, and they're ever exploding. Yeah, that would be fun. That's interesting to think of. Think of this. You know, we say how this women's evolution or revolution. Hey, it's not a mania. The, well, think of the four of them. Charlotte's not on there. Becky's not on there for real reasons. Uh, Bailey's not on there. It's only Sasha Banks. That's pretty fascinating. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, I got B- Bianca Belair. All right. The WWE Championship. Bobby Lashley, Drew McIntyre. I th- I th- the more I think about it, I think you're right. This is where Hogan must pose. Drew McIntyre wins, even though Bobby Lashley should win this. I'm actually, the more I've thought about this going into tonight's podcast, I thought about your scenario where, well, we weren't the Hurt Business, so we weren't banned. I could even see them Mm -hmm. acting, right, in in kayfabe, acting like they're not trying to help Lashley. They end up helping out Lashley, and then post-match they go, ah, we're all friends. They go, hey, you're welcome back into the herb business. Right? And that's yeah. where, like, even Baron Corbin's like, cool, and I think they beat him up. Like, that would be the coolest, but they're not going yeah. to. Yeah. I uh, I, Drew, Drew must post. He's going to have a sword, sword pointing at the sign. So, okay, if we don't know the order, right? We obviously don't know the order. Right. We know night one, night two, and stuff like that, but we don't know the order. If this kicks off the show, Drew McIntyre wins. If this is just in the show, let's just say it's before Orton versus The Fiend, Lashley wins. I'm leaning. I'm going to go McIntyre. I'm going to go McIntyre. Yeah, I agree with you. Hogan must pose. McIntyre must pose. Where's my big fucking sword? I'm going to swing that shit around. Woo, like this. All right. And then the final one we got, Universal Championship. Roman Reigns, Edge, Daniel Bryan, triple threat, Roman Reigns. You think? Yeah. Ooh. You think Edge or what do you think? I think Edge. I think we got the rated R superstar. I think we did a little bit too much of you got to have grit and no one gave a fuck about what that even meant or what even you fucking were saying. Got to outwork everyone. Yeah, exactly. Grit and outwork everyone pass that's boring as shit yeah so then edge says okay let's take it let's take a left turn you don't like that let's go back to something you do like rated r superstar and then you got Live the rated r celebrations yeah then you get rated r superstar taking over smackdown that we can get into then you can go into psychotic roman reigns head of the table why am i not head of the table jay Uso, what the fuck Jimmy comes back. Jimmy, what the fuck? And we get into psychotic uh, Roman Reigns, who's just unhinged because he's not the champ anymore. Two stories we can tell. But Daniel Bryan takes the loss. Yeah, for sure. So, all right, man. Mania, final thoughts. Let's wrap it up. What's the match you're most looking forward to? I, I put all of those on the table. Which one are you grabbing to say, like, I want to watch that one? I don't. Um... I think Owen Zane <laughs> are going to do a great match. Wait a minute. Did you say I don't pick something? I don't. don't I don't take it. Don't. 
Um, I think this Roman Reigns edge Daniel Bryan is probably going to be the most intriguing with total of like in ring work and storyline and where we go from here, like perspective all rolled into one. They probably get the most points, if you will. Yeah, I think that's what I'm. Yeah, if you if you take everything into consideration, that's the match where I'm like, I'm not missing that. I think, though, at, next week on the podcast, I think what we're going to talk about, whether good or bad, is going to be Fiend Randy Orton. They're mm-hmm. either going to hit another home run like they or did with Cena. Yeah, it's either going to be Cena, Fiend, Firefly Funhouse, which was incredible, or, again, it's going to be Orton, Fiend, Bugs on the Ring, what the fuck is this? It's not going to be in between. It, mm. it has to be one or the other. So we're, I think we're going to talk about that next week. That's what we're going to yeah. lead uh, talking about WrestleMania. Well, another thing that happens with WrestleMania week, um, albeit it kind of didn't happen last year, so they rolled it into this year, is the WWE Hall of Fame. And some interesting um, choices this year. Uh, a very interesting choice to pipe in crowd noise yeah. instead of just having like employees and friends and family that was annoying because, like, I think even though, like, okay, so the fake crowd noise and they say something good and you cheer, but, like, there were some subtle things that, like, I think they missed that were very impactful moments of speeches, especially in the Titus speech, some that stick out to mind, where, like, you didn't catch that what he said was a very amazing fucking thing and, like, people would have clapped and people would have cheered or people might have stood, right? Like, several of those moments for a lot of people, not just Titus's speech. So that was kind of annoying. Um what are your overall thoughts before we talk about any some of these inductions? Awkward. Yeah, awkward, one hundred percent. And here's why. First, yeah, we have had small crowds now in America, right? That that is a thing now we have seen. Yes. In AEW, we have seen your own talent in the crowd, and you're going to do it at Mania. Yeah, have a crowd. But but to my point here is, we've seen AEW have their own talent in the crowd for matches, so we know. You can safely put in your own talent in a crowd. They're there. They're They're backstage in a smaller space right now. (laughs) Right. So if you're going to do the red carpet that I saw where Sasha's walking out and Bailey and uh, Rob Van Dam is walking to his space. That was a loop uh, crowd cheer, too, that was like not even synced to good moments. Yeah. Yeah. And so if you're going to say, hey, they're all here to honor the inductees, well, then put them in a crowd. Yeah, why and, are you on the red carpet if you're not in the crowd? What did exactly. You come for? Yeah. yeah, what did you do? Did you just walk down a red carpet and then walk home or go home? You know, like that didn't make any sense. So I think you could have used the crowd noise to enhance natural moments where you could have done this pre-taped, which they did. And when the small crowd does clap, you can add just a little bit more sound to where it doesn't sound as depressing, right? And so that's where you could have used that piped in noise. But yeah the this is awesome and all that stuff no it was bad and i honestly felt really sad for the inductees because so many times this has turned into like special moments for these people and they're just giving canned speeches and then getting out of there well yeah and and like tennis o'neill's giving a great speech like i felt like his speech had a great message it could be given anywhere outside of even this this setting right and Mm -hmm. it just is lost yeah. Um, the NWO felt weird. Kali, uh, don't even get me started. <laughs> um, just there were some good moments. So I, I was uh, the, uh, on the on the uh, on the flip side of it. Titus O'Neil's speech was yep. really good. The Bellatron thought... speech was decent. I liked it. Yeah. I mean, like they they suck at reading speeches, but 
what they said was fine. Yeah. JBL giving credit to Eddie Guerrero, I thought was a was a good uh, uh, gesture mm-hmm. uh, from him. But yeah, I mean, so I know I thought the Bellas had a very both professionally and personally cool way of like mentioning Cena and like the influence he had without making a big deal out of it, right? Like she was able to hit it quick, give mm-hmm. him his due reverence in both, just like in a professional and personal setting, the meaning and, and impact on that. Like, I thought that was neat because that was an interesting thing to think like, boy, how does she address that? You know what I mean? And I thought mm-hmm. she did that very well. Very well. Yeah. Uh, that's the where a crowd would have been interesting. Mm-hmm. What would they have done? Would they have taken over the, probably, the speech? All the ladies who watched the, you know, uh, uh-huh. the Total Bellas would have been all over that. They probably would have, you know what I mean? Yeah. Right. So... Uh, it was a miss. It was a miss, and I felt bad for the people inducted because I know that that's a special moment for the talent, and they didn't get to really experience it. So, womp yeah. womp. Well, let's let's go out to the fans here. I got to get it pulled up here, but we have a fun little segment that we like to play each week, and we call it hashtag tweet the table, and we call it that because it's pretty simple. You use hashtag tweet the table on Twitter, right? And you tell us your wrestling thoughts. Tell us what you thought about you know wrestlemania week all anything you want right we're gonna read the best of them right here and let's see let's see we got a little bit of time here tom let's pull up at wir kata he says there's not a lot of things on aw that pisses me off Mm -hmm. but tony shivani talking to sting for the 4852nd time is fucking up there hashtag tweet the table um yeah, we hit that earlier too. It's it's a lot. We just got to find more creative ways than just the same song and dance. If we're gonna say we have to get Sting on television, then let's present him differently. Let's have him backstage being confronted by Lance Archer. Let's have him walk out during someone else's promo and he gets to interrupt someone. Just the same Tony Schiavone sounds like a six year old, which was fun once. It's getting played out now. And then Sting walks out again. We got to, if you're going to do it, I get it, right? Some people just have mandatory dates or whatever in their contract. And you also want for the live crowd to, you know, come to Jacksonville and see Sting. But you got to do some different things here because yeah, it's just getting too tired. Yeah, I, I just don't. It doesn't always have to be Shivani either, right? Like, and I get it. Like, maybe that you know that's who he's comfortable working with or whatever. But again, this could be a backstage. This could be a, you know, something else. Sting is getting catering and somebody interrupts him, right? Like, it doesn't have to be the it's Sting every time. And if you you know if one of your goals is that hey during a pandemic if people are going to you know risk their safety and travel to Daly's place to see this show and one of their things that they want to see is Sting, well we can do it during commercial break we can do it post show we can do it pre show like you don't necessarily have to show us that Sting's there but you can show the crowd who maybe showed up so again just try some new things yeah all right thanks Canna. We'll move on to at J Summers 330. Good pal Justin Summers of Wrestling Cheers. Check out that show, uh, Wrestling Come Podcast. On. Come on. And Life Podcast. What a great fun. He says, tired, old, and stale. Sounds more like Jericho as a whole. Hashtag tweet the table. Ooh, taking shots Jericho off of his promo, which to some extent, yes. I, I think Jericho's got this spiel of like, 
we, we get how Jericho speech and the kind of things he's going to say, but he's going to come up with some new dig each time, but it's always going to be some kind of sarcastic twist of words or something, mm-hmm. right? Like he's not necessarily like bringing up super deep logical points where you're like, yeah, right? Like it's always just a fun little, hi, ah, called him a fart, you know, yeah. like that kind of stuff. So yes, I mean, I get that. And, and I think that's where I thought maybe some of this was designed more to build up the inner circle guys and feature them on AEW, but it kind of went away from that maybe. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we're here. I, I wouldn't say necessarily stale, but he's probably tired and he's kind of old. Yeah, I think the the welcomed absence of inner circle for a couple weeks was needed because I've said this multiple times on the podcast where less is more. And it was every week we're doing an inner circle dinner or an inner circle Vegas trip or an inner circle. Like, Hey, we can stop for a week and let me miss you. You know, we had, we had quick trip Marshall talking about Cody, but we didn't see Cody, you know, we can further the storyline and have some type of reference video package without it being inner circle, Chris Jericho with a promo or something, you know, it can, it can be different. We don't have to hit over the head. The inner circles here, stings here, the inner circles here, stings here, the inner circles here, stings here. Stop variety. You have enough talent to give me some variety. Yeah. Well, we gave you all kinds of variety. We talked about AEW Dynamite. We talked about the WrestleMania. We talked about the NXT. We talked about the Hall of Fame. We talked about you. We We talked talked about about you. Yeah. We talked about how you can use hashtag tweet the table to get on the show just like Kata and Justin did. And you can be our friends. We need more friends. Look, it's just me, Tom, and Kali here, and it's not enough. We need more of you guys. So check us out. SpanishAnnounceTable.net, as it says up there. And uh, until next week. Enjoy WrestleMania. The Spanish announce table.